Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Well, good morning. My name is Bruce. Uh, I guess it's afternoon here in, in Akron, Ohio, uh, the home of Alcoholics Anonymous, where this was all started. I am a uh, grateful recovering sexaholic, sober since May 10th of 2014, and really appreciate the opportunity, uh, friend Abby, that uh, the program that ran into that said, hey, heard you gave a lead. Would you be willing to do that on a Monday? I said, be happy to. Uh, and glad to be on this call. Um, I, as I mentioned, I've been sober since uh, May of 2014, physically sober, and I still have a problem. And, and that problem is with lust that just doesn't seem to want to go away. Uh, as much as I wish it away and, and, and try to get it, pray it away, it still comes back at times. And it's something that I've been working on, uh, that progressive victory. I know it has to be perfect, but that progressive victory over lust that we, we read about uh, is what I, I strive for on a daily basis. <clears throat> uh, start out basically, uh, for me, uh, background, uh, you know, born and raised here in, in Akron, basically, uh, you know, we're, we're very close to where this all started, uh, but was pretty much unaware of it as a little kid, uh, and not until I got this program where I really figured it out, uh, or started to figure it out. Uh, one brother, parents, everything, you know, normal childhood for the most part, brought up in a Catholic church, uh, went to church every Sunday. A uh, couple things uh, came up during my childhood that probably had some sort of effect on this uh, sex homes addiction that I have. But uh, I, I know one thing I can say about my family growing up is we did not, I did not see my parents fight. I didn't see them uh, scream and yell at each other, but I did see them shut down. Uh, we, I saw them hold emotions at bay uh, and really kind of isolate. When they would get mad, they wouldn't talk. And that's something that I believe has, has not served me very well as, as the, what I've learned from uh, one of the few things that are bad that I learned about my parents that I don't want to think about. Uh, but that's one of the things. Um, everything else is pretty good. A few times, I uh, remember being five or six with my older brother uh, looking for Christmas presents in my dad's and mom's bedroom up in the closet. That's where we first found porn. I uh, found a Playboy magazine and uh, remember looking at it and, but I, I can't, the details are, I was still a pretty small kid. And, uh, I remember putting it back up, realizing this is something we probably shouldn't look at and never saw it again. Never saw porn in the household ever growing up. Uh, so obviously uh, someone found out and uh, I, I can imagine what that would be like uh, uh, at home uh, growing up. But uh, so otherwise things were pretty good until I was maybe 10 or 12 and had a cousin who was uh, babysitting us, an older cousin, uh, a male cousin who was watching us. And we had a little den office area off the corner of the uh, living room. Uh, and our parents were out and his parents were out there, obviously out together, I'm thinking. And, uh, he had gone in there and shut the door being curious little kids. We asked to figure out what was going on and kept pounding on the door and saying, let us in. And he had the door locked and 
finally went in. He said, come on in. And I don't remember whether we went in separately or together. And I could probably go through a lot of therapy to figure out exactly what happened uh, in the details, which I haven't done uh, on that. But I'm, I'm fairly confident that I was molested as a, as a small child. Uh, and I remember him telling me, don't tell any. I do remember saying, don't tell anyone about this. Um, brought this up to my brother uh, a while back, a couple years ago, and mentioned it to him. I said, do you remember that time? And he said, yeah. I said, do you want to talk about it? Nope. Uh, so that, that keeping secrets and keeping things, keeping the most emotions at bay has always been something that we're still doing. And unfortunately, I try to undo every day with my character defects. Uh, growing up, everything was pretty much fine after that. Uh, high school, uh, didn't date a lot. I was very shy. Uh, did have fantasies uh, from a little kid uh, from being a superhero, and I would go in my own head. Uh, my older brother was kind of the straight-A student, and, and then in high school became the wrestler, the bodybuilder. I was more of the artist, uh, guitar-playing guy, so I was completely uh, polar opposite of my brother. And uh, while he was getting really strong grades, I was slacking off and getting B's, uh, was held up to that. You're not like your brother. You're not like this. You need to be like your brother. Uh, always had, carrying some shame with me as I grew up. That uh, didn't have a lot of dates, really was, didn't date much in high school. Uh, pretty much uneventful, was a shy kid, had a lot of friends, but just didn't date. I was always shy and kind of uh, just was uncomfortable uh, around around girls in high school. Uh, that changed in college, went to college, uh, started uh, dating in college, uh, started drinking, started smoking pot in college, uh, which continued on for a fairly long time. Uh, and everything was pretty much normal. I mean, I remember seeing porn, but it didn't hit me at that point in my life yet. Didn't really come in uh, to the point where it, it was really getting out of hand in my life. I would see it, but it didn't do anything for me at that uh, Not sure why. Maybe I was too busy with everything else. Uh, this went on for uh, years. I remember going up with my brother and spending the weekend with him after college uh, when I was still in college and he was outside of college in Cleveland and uh, spending up there and going to strip clubs with him uh, as he was single. And that's what the, his guys he worked with did, uh, but didn't continue that on. Again, came back and things were just pretty normal. Started working uh, for a short time as a disc jockey and then in the family business. Uh, met my wife uh, when I was 28, 28 years old. Um, and uh, we started dating. Uh, I had relationships in between. They all lasted about six months. Either uh, the ladies I saw got tired of me or I got tired of them and I was looking for something else. Um, got married. Uh, my daughter was born sure very shortly after we were married. Uh, and I was 28 years old. And that was at the point when I went over to my buddy's house the day after uh, my daughter was born. And they said, wait, great. Wow. You're, you're dad. Let's get high. Let's smoke a joint. And I uh, looked at them and said, you know, no. I don't need to do this. I need to get serious about my life. I've got somebody else I'm responsible for. I've not smoked pot since then. And I'm thinking, well, there's one addiction I beat uh, so far. Uh, moved on to that as we got married and grew up, uh, you know, as, as you do with a young family. Uh, another, my son was born uh, three years later, uh, working in uh, sales jobs as I've been in sales pretty much most of my adult life, all of my adult life and jobs, um, came to about 2003 and I landed a sales job that was uh, the uh, 
job that I was looking for. It was double salary. What I was making uh, was uh, high end, high opportunity to make well into uh, six figures in sales, well over six figures, uh, huge opportunity. And I somehow buffaloed my way into this job and got the job. It was a work from home job. And uh, that's where things started. Uh, I was kind of in over my head uh, in training, uh, realized that I was calling on attorneys uh, and selling uh, advertising to attorneys, and, and attorneys, very difficult to get appointments, working from home, no one else in a home office, uh, isolated by myself, uh, manager was in the other, another state, a couple of reps locally, you know, in, in other towns, but nobody close by, so that isolation is, is what really took place um, during that time, and that's when I discovered internet porn, and that's when things took off. Uh, I would work in the morning and get frustrated not being able to get appointments, not being able to sell things. And while I had a company laptop, I also had a personal computer at home, and that's when I started looking on the personal computer uh, to take a break. Some things that I couldn't do, my fear of not being successful, that that not doing, not selling anything, that shame of not you know, I'm going to blow this huge opportunity for my family and for myself, and I'm really screwing up. My fear just took over, uh, and it started out pretty innocently, uh, as we all probably thought it was. Uh, it was a few minutes uh, in the morning uh, to kind of calm my nerves and to take it out, and it was the medicine that I was looking for. It did that for a very short time. It took that. Uh, it took that you know, take me away from all the troubles and all the worries of raising a young family of, of being uh, a job that I'm not working well at. And I'm trying to figure out and can't figure out the problem with it that I found was it just started growing, uh, in that, that five, 10 minutes, uh, in the morning started growing to 10, 15 to a half an hour to an hour, uh, to a couple hours and taking time away from work and then coming home from work and looking at more porn. And it all started looking at various different kinds of this progressive, very progressive uh, disease on the internet. Uh, this is porn and, and addiction. It, it ramped up very quick for me. Uh, things that I would see online that I would look at and say, oh my gosh, who would look at that and, and click off of it and go back to something else. And then a month later, I'm looking at that stuff. And it, it, it took me places that I didn't want to go. And I don't really care to look back on, but I have to, uh, because it's, it's, it's what keeps me sober and sane. Uh, during this whole time, I was, my, my relationship with my higher power was that God was this big picture thinker, didn't care about what I did personally. Um, you know, he was worried about the big things. Uh, didn't care if I was looking at porn. I wasn't really hurting anybody. I justify it any way I can that it, you know, it's only hurting me and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll get through it. It's actually helping me and being literally blind to the problems of porn and what it did to me. Um, as I, I continued on down that road, uh, it, it affected my relationship with my wife, uh, as we started becoming more roommates and separating apart in, uh, 2005, I developed kidney cancer. I uh, went to a doctor, found out from some tests that I had kidney cancer, a lump on my kidney. At that point, I, I made a deal with my higher power. I said, God, here's how it's going to be, me being the man in charge that I am. and said, you know, if you can heal me from this, I'll stop all of this. I won't do it anymore. I'll become a good person. Uh, we were still going to church, and I was the hypocrite in church that was thinking this stuff. Um, 
took my kidney out, did not have, you know, it was cancer. Took, I have one kidney left that's working, functioning great. And uh, got out of the hospital, was rehabbing from home for about three weeks off work. And within two and a half, three weeks, as you can imagine, I'm back looking at porn. That, that deal I made with God was broken. Uh, this went on and it, it went on from porn to chat rooms to meeting with women and, uh, taking me places that I just don't want to go back. And thinking about this with my wife, we were pulling apart and every three months or so would have a big blowout where, uh, she knew something was wrong, but didn't know what it was and was saying, we're going to, if you don't straighten up, we're going to get a divorce. We need to figure this out. Uh, and I would say, of course, I'll, I'll work on this. I'll be better. I'll be better. And I never was. I was back uh, moving on. Uh, culminated up on February, on, on May 9th, it was the weekend, the Friday before Mother's Day, uh, that uh, I was uh, laid off from a job. And during this period uh, between 2004 and 2014, I had seven sales jobs. Never got fired for one, but I left jobs because I knew I was underperforming and got out before I was fired. Uh, I was laid off from a job that was a, another very good job uh, in sales uh, that I was traveling a uh, state and a half uh, and uh, here in Ohio and Pennsylvania and uh, was laid off because of a buyout. So I was looking for a job, spending my day uh, supposedly looking for work. And while I was looking for work a little bit, I was spending the majority of my day looking at porn and trying to arrange meetings uh, with women. Uh, I left that day about four o'clock to buy a Mother's Day present, being the, you know, thinking of right on time. It's the Friday before Mother's Day. I need to get a Mother's Day present for my wife and for my mom. Left that day uh, and left the house, uh, called my wife to say I was thinking about something and found out that she had sitting in front of my computer where I had left windows open uh, and all sorts of things were on there. And she was asking me uh, what was going on that 15 minute ride from uh, store to home was the both longest and shortest of my life of trying to figure out how I was going to cover this up. Um, got home and a virtual fight ensued, as you can imagine on discovery day. Um, it uh, went on and on uh, to the point of she called family members and, you know, let them know we were supposed to get together with family that night. And uh, family knew uh, I was out of the house. Uh, ended up a night at uh, my uncle's house, my elderly uncle's house. Uh, he said, you know, you can stay here. Uh, there's an extra bedroom. You'll be fine. Uh, in the meantime, I had been looking at this and realizing that I look back on it that last couple months, that last month or so, I'm realizing that I have to stop. I have to find a way to stop doing what I've been doing, but I don't know how I can't tell my wife I'm looking at porn. Uh, she'll kick me out. I, I don't know where to get help. I didn't know what to do. Uh, went back to uh, my uncle's house and I remember laying in bed that night, uh, crying, realizing that I've got the possibility of losing everything that mattered to me, my wife and my children and my family. And uh, laying there just asking God and crying, saying, I need help. And to me, that was, that was the beginning of surrender, of asking for help the way that I, that I do on a daily basis. And he came to me that night and mentioned, uh, reminded me that on Facebook that a minister uh, that I knew from my kids, uh, a parent of one of my uh, daughter's friends, was a minister at a church around uh, in the area who had posted on Facebook that uh, his church works with groups that are sexual with sexual addiction. And it's a real thing if you need help get a hold of him on Facebook. I messaged him that night and ended up at his house the next day. Talked with him. 
and I walked into his house and he looked at me and uh, just remember that look on his face, that kind of a smirk going, you got that look. You think everything's over, uh, but it doesn't have to be. And we sat down and talked for a good two hours. And he explained to me about the program and that he was actually in the program. And it was him. And everything he said about that roller coaster of emotions was me. And I couldn't believe it. Uh, he gave me the name of a couple people that I knew, one that I knew that was, he said, he'll be getting in touch with you. Uh, and he's in the program and you'll probably run into people, you know. So I did that. I uh, went to the meetings. Uh, I, I got a call. I went to my first meeting that Monday morning. Being here in uh, Akron, Ohio, we're fortunate. We have anywhere from two to five meetings a day within a 50-mile radius uh, every day of the week. Uh, I found a meeting uh, on a Monday afternoon at a church. Uh, walked in. There was one other person there. Started the meeting and said, let's start the meeting. And I have to, but there's, there's two of us. We can't run this. How do we run a meeting with only two of us? And he said, that's all you need. Uh, so uh, we got the meeting going, and uh, it uh, started the meeting, and that was the first meeting uh, connected to a next a Wednesday. That was a Monday night, went to a Wednesday night meeting, uh, went to a Thursday morning meeting, and a Saturday meeting that week. At the Saturday meeting, I ran into two guys I went to high school with. Uh, same problem. A little bit awkward, but we all got through it. Uh, started going to four meetings a week. I uh, knew I needed to do this and, and get better. Things started to slowly get better at home. I was back at home. Uh, as the craziness early on, as we all know, being married, uh, of, of the betrayal and the things that I'd done, uh, started slowly, slowly get better, but it was a very wild ride for that first six months or so. And another person that really helped me was uh, the friend that I, I, I knew that uh, in this program that for Wednesday night meeting, uh, said, we need to talk. And I said, okay. So we sat down and at a coffee shop and said, okay, who's your sponsor? I said, I, I don't have one. He goes, well, you're sober, but what we're, you need to get a sponsor. You're not going to get better if you don't get a sponsor. So I, uh, he, he challenged me, said, well, I'll see you on Saturday and you better have a sponsor by Saturday. I'm not your sponsor. We know each other too well, and it's not going to be a good fit. Uh, that Thursday morning, I asked uh, a, a friend, uh, someone in the program to be a sponsor. He's been my sponsor since. Uh, his first thing said was, I've got some requirements, and those requirements were three meetings a week. Uh, you need to read the first 164 pages of the big book by the time I see you on Saturday, and you're going to start working the steps. And I said, and you're going to call me every day or call someone in the program every day. Uh, I started doing that. I uh, started working the steps with Chip and, and started working through this program. Uh, and I'll tell you, I was that sober but not well, that dry drunk, until I got to the fourth step. And that's where things changed. That's where recovery hit me. Uh, when I found it wasn't just me needing to stop acting out, stop looking at porn, I needed to do something a lot more than that. I needed to get better. I needed to become, uh, to start recovering. Uh, that there are issues far beyond lust and porn and, and sex that I had, that it was my character defects that I had to go about working on. And when I started working that four step, that's the cosmic change. That's when things started moving. Uh, I am, uh, been worked through, working through the steps. I'm, I'm stuck on step nine here, making those, uh, uh, amends, uh, still working through that. And, uh, since then I have, 
uh, been going, still go to four meetings a week on a regular basis. Uh, this phone meeting, I was in a meeting this morning at 7 o'clock, uh, 11 of us there, and I'm here at this one today. Uh, and when I can make four meetings, I make four meetings. Uh, sponsor probably, I think, four, maybe five guys right now. Uh, working with them on a daily basis. And, and what I've found in this program is that it's not just showing up to meetings. It's making phone calls. It's working with other people. It's doing the things I need to do. My morning ritual now is I get up in the morning and I'm on my knees. Thank you, God, for uh, the last 24 hours asking to serve him that day. How can I be of service? And for another 24 hours free from lust, along with the uh, third step prayer and the serenity prayer. Uh, I spend, uh, after that, uh, put some coffee on and I, I meditate for about 10 minutes uh, to get myself settled for the day before I go in the craziness of the sales job that I have now. Uh, and after I meditate, get some coffee and I read some literature. Uh, before that. Uh, the days that I go to a 7 a.m. meeting, I don't get to the uh, uh, reading. I try to meditate. Sometimes I don't make it. I run a little bit late, but I get to the meeting on time and, and get through the meeting. Uh, I, I ask God every day to, with that, uh, you know, the, the basic asking God to uh, help me through the day. Uh, the third step prayer, and also the seven step prayer, where I ask to become that channel of, of His peace. Um, I, I find out that if if I let God work through me any given day and, and don't get in his way, which I have a tendency to let my character defects do on a regular basis, I do pretty well. Uh, those character defects are tough. They keep coming back. And for me, those character defects, when I let them go awry and I don't recognize them, it's like tying my shoes strings together and trying to run. I don't walk. I try to run and I fall over. Uh, I, I learn pretty quick. I need to keep my shoes untied, uh, tied separately, uh, not tied together. I need to, uh, work the steps on a daily basis. I need to stay in contact. I'm talking or texting probably to three, four people a day. I listen to speaker podcasts on drives when I have more than 20 minutes, uh, to a customer and going outside of town, found that to be extremely helpful and, and, and working on that spiritual awakening have, have been involved at a church that I find uh, that I found through this program where I go to three meetings a week. Uh, it's really been helpful to me. This program has changed my life. It's changed my view of God. It's changed my view of people. It's changed everything I've done in my life because of this program. I owe it to this program and all of you that are on these meetings, that go to meetings, that are working the program. And I, I, I thank all of you for doing that. Um, I, I see a completely different, my wife and I are much different than we were. We're getting along. We go to a couple's meeting once a month to try and make ourselves better uh, and build our relationship. My kids know they've, they've I've made amends to them. I've made amends to family. And uh, this program has changed my life. And, and there's, there's, I'd, I'd like to close with one reading that I have real quick out of the uh, big book on page 25. It's just one paragraph under there is a solution. And, and it, it starts, if you don't mind, if you'll you know, humor me for a second here. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living. When, therefore, we were approached by those whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up that simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. 
We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, of which we had not even dreamed. That fourth dimension is where I want to be. I strive for that on a daily basis. Sometimes I hit it. Sometimes I don't. But I know it's there, and other people are doing it every day. I thank you very much for the time to tell my story. Uh, don't know whether it helped, hurt, but I hope it does some good for all of you. I thank you for taking the time to listen to me and the opportunity to talk. I pass. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.